You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome to the Oz Network for the start of a new, maybe temporary project, something to uh, carry us through the summer as um, many of our favorite shows are on hiatus and one of our hosts is off globetrotting and meeting all of the biggest reality stars from around the world. So we have something new and fun for you and we did tease this a few weeks ago. We are starting a series of episodes which are random episodes random recaps from random tv shows all suggested by you some of these shows we've seen before some of them we haven't uh but we are here this week to talk about the first suggestion courtesy of our longtime listener or loyal listener zachary chong uh and zachary you suggested doctor who season four episode 10 midnight so that's what we're here to about, talk about today uh my name is colin and shamble bobble dibble dobble whatever he said in this episode and I'm Nick, and I'm very, very clever. And I'm Nick, and I'm very, very clever. Um, so that will <laughs> make sense. If you haven't watched this episode, let's just say, stop listening to this podcast right now and watch the episode first, because we're going to spoil everything. Um, I, this is kind of just a, a bizarre project that we're doing here. But uh, just to set up a little bit more and uh, explain what we'll be doing for the next couple of weeks, uh, we had you suggest episodes of different tv shows specific episodes that were easy to find this was one of the first ones we decided to cover uh as far as our histories go with doctor who uh, i'm a huge doctor who fan i've been watching the show ever since it came back on the air uh probably what 2005 so about 12 years already and i remember watching this episode when it first aired i've seen it several times since then uh nick your history with doctor who um is incredibly short it's watching this episode <laughs> it's one of those things we like you would think, like, you know, being a bit of a pop culture person and, you know, sci-fi geek and all that kind of thing, that I probably would have had some exposure to this, but I've had zero. It's kind of weird. So, like, I actually almost wrote, like, a little list of things that I knew about Doctor Who before I started this episode, which was kind of, like, um, really short. It was, like, something to do with a TARDIS, which I don't know what a TARDIS is, and I still don't know, having watched this episode, um, that this show's been around forever, and, there's kind of, I, and you know, there's been a number of actors play the role mm-hmm. and um there's these kind of r2d2 like robots that go around trying to exterminate people <laughs> that, that's a, that, that and that's a, that was about it but like I, so i did after i'd kind of watched this episode I did a little little bit of research and so is it my understanding because i always thought doctor who was a little bit like james bond that there's just this you know this one character but you know actors kind of come and go to kind of mm-hmm. play that person but it's the kind of conceit of the show is that it's actually the same person, and they just kind of like regenerate into a new form. Yeah, is that, is that yeah? No, that's exactly it. Like the, I guess the original idea was just to have one actor play him forever, and the original guy that played him was an old man. And when he, you know, was uh, I guess had health problems and had to replace him, they're like, well, let's come up with a clever idea. Let's not just recast another old man. Let's get a younger guy. And that's what they've done ever since. They just recast the actor, and every actor can bring a completely different personality, uh, different traits. They're never really playing the same character, which is interesting. So you pretty much nailed it. I mean, your your knowledge of Doctor Who sums everything up. The TARDIS, just his time machine, uh, the R two D two robots, much deadlier Daleks. Um, but I know before we did this episode, when I mentioned to you this this one we're doing, and you said you'd never seen the show, I told you this was an easy one to watch. So for people who are still listening to this episode and haven't seen this episode, 
still go watch it because otherwise nothing we say is going to make any sense but if you've never seen doctor who i think this is a good one to start off on that you, know, you don't get too confused i mean were you incredibly lost as this started were you just thinking the whole time when are r2d2 and his you know deadly exterminators coming out no i mean i wasn't all that confused i, I mean i guess the start was a little bit confusing about in terms of setup and, and where the hell they are and um kind of what's going on here as i mean is it supposed to be set in the future or like the, the actual setting was a little bit confusing but the the general storyline was fine yeah well i mean like the idea of the show uh is that he can travel with his time machine he can travel anywhere anytime like he can go this very minute like i'm in canada and winnipeg i could go all the way to new zealand you know and be standing next to you to finish this podcast you know 10 seconds from now or i could go to new zealand 300,000 years in the future or whatever planet anywhere in the universe so um, right. I'm guessing with this episode, I don't know if, like, I've seen it several times. I don't know if it was supposed to be Earth or not, but it's definitely in the future. Uh, there's a, several Earth references in this, which we'll get to, which <laughs> uh, they've always done fun things like that in the show. But, um, yeah, I think this is an easy episode because it is a standalone. I think to give a bit of context here for what they were doing, uh, the show at this point did have, you know, an ongoing story arc that was told. But you would have these standalone episodes like this. What they tried, this is the fourth season of the new show, and what they had tried in season two, I guess the way that TV shows are, especially in England or a big show like this, is that they're filming 13 episodes a year. They take a long time to write it. You know, It's not like American shows where they're churning out one a week for nine months. I mean, they'll take an entire year to write a show, film it, you know, uh, do post-production and release it. So they did an episode in season two that was, they called it a Dr. Light episode. It, it didn't feature the Doctor or his companion in anything more than five minutes. And the idea was we can get an extra episode out this way, film it at the same time as our others, and then we can keep on schedule. In season right, three, okay. they did the same thing, and it turned out to be one of the most popular episodes the show ever had. Uh, so for this season, they decided instead of doing an episode without the Doctor, they would do one episode where... The Doctor is the star, but his companion, Donna, who you see at the beginning and end, is just in those beginning and end scenes. And then the episode that follows this is the opposite, where Donna is the star of the episode, but the Doctor appears only at the beginning and end. So they, I guess they're able to get an extra bonus episode out that way. Because um, that would probably be the thing that confused you, is who is this woman he's talking to on the phone that's you know getting her foot massage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was just kind of like that. But I mean, it's basic stuff. It's not, it definitely wasn't derailing my, my interest in the show or anything like that. It was it was pretty straightforward in terms of what was going on. The show has like a different tone every week. Like sometimes you'll have a really goofy episode and sometimes it'll be like this where it's almost like a horror story. And I don't know, have you ever seen the TV show The Twilight Zone? Um, I've seen bits and pieces of that as well, but yeah, nothing, nothing really. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause I started watching the old, like 1960s black and white twilight zone, probably around the time that this episode was airing. And there's, uh, a very twilight zone feel to this episode. Um, and particularly there's a twilight zone story, which if anybody still hasn't watched this episode, you know, go out and watch it and then watch a twilight zone episode called, I think it's called the monsters are due on maple street, which is very similar to this. Uh, but this one was all just sort of like paranoia and all that. And it's a very small episode. Like I think some of these Doctor Whos have like big special effects. And this is all just one room. I mean, we could talk about the premise of the episode. Like the Doctor is just uh, going on this, I don't know if it's a bus, plane, whatever it is, a transport ride on this planet called Midnight to see some type of sapphire waterfall, like this incredible 
wonder of this world, I guess the equivalent of what you would see, like the Grand Canyon or something like that here on Earth. And the entire episode is just him on this transport with these other passengers on the way there. Um, so uh, I guess the early scene that we had with Donna is all you really get with her. Uh, we mentioned a brief thing on her at the end of the episode, but then the rest of this is just introducing all the other characters because it's like one big cast, but everybody, it's almost done in real time. Like I think this episode, at one point, do they say like there's going to be an hour to rescue us when the, the ship breaks down? Yeah, I think so. They said something along those lines. Um, yeah, I was confused because, like, I obviously, like, that TARDIS reference, like, I kind of had some idea that, like, why would he need to go on the ship? Like, why couldn't he just go to wherever he wants to go if he can kind of go anywhere? Yeah, it, that's, I guess, well, that's one of those things that doesn't make sense because the TARDIS could take him anywhere, and maybe he's just one of these people who likes to ride the train every once in a while. Um, he certainly likes to go to Earth a lot, but... That that brings up an interesting point I never thought of before. Is that basically what happens is this transport ship or whatever breaks down halfway, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to be an hour before we're rescued." Like I've seen him in this show where he has like a remote controls or you know snaps his fingers or whatever, and the TARDIS just appears. Like he could be calling Donna right now and saying, "Hop in the TARDIS, come pick us all up." There's something on here that's banging on the walls trying to get us, because uh, this ship can go anywhere. So maybe a bit of a plot hole there. But uh, all the characters that we had here, I guess. The, the pilots are short-lived. Um, we had the the flight attendant. I don't remember what her name is. We have the older lady, Sky that kind of becomes the villain of the whole story. Uh, yeah. We had the professor and his... Is, is it supposed to be his assistant, <laughs> Dee It's starting to get a bit Gilligan's Island, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> the professor, <laughs> Dee Dee, the millionaire. Um yeah, maybe we'll just say yeah. that the other couple, the, there's the, the couple with the son, those will be the millionaires or whatever. And uh, yeah. There's another, I don't know if you're familiar with this show or not, but I'll just ask if you were familiar with any of these actors that play the other passengers on here, because there's one of them that's actually gone on to become quite famous. The only one that really stuck out to me was the was the son. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't know where I know him from, but I definitely, uh, his face is familiar to me. Yeah, that's the same thing. Like the, the, the couple that's on this and their very bored teenage son. Um, I had the same thing and I've seen this episode many times, uh, but it was only when I watched it this afternoon where I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. Where is it? And I realized he had a show that was called Merlin. It's like a, a British sci-fi yes, show. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Had you yeah. ever seen that show? I I have seen maybe like five minutes of it, but it's one of those ones where you kind of see the DVD everywhere, yeah. you know, and so I've, I've seen his face on the cover for that DVD like a million times. Yeah, and that's pretty much the same as me. I think I saw one episode once and I thought, oh my, this is an interesting show, but it's just too many shows to get into. You don't want to get into new five seasons or something, but... Uh, the other one was the guy who played the professor, and I, again, didn't realize this until I just started reading up on the episode, or maybe I knew it ten years ago when this aired, but... Uh, David Troughton's the actor, and he's the son of the second Doctor. So, like, when the first oh, well, Doctor okay. uh, was pulling out of the show and they recast him with Patrick Troughton, the guy who played the second Doctor, and this guy has been on Doctor Who many times, including back in the 60s. He appeared in several stories with his father and then other ones with the third Doctor and all that. So this guy's been around forever on Doctor Who. That's quite cool, eh? Like it's um, the, and you know, a show that's been around this long. There's probably a lot of that happens, you know. Mm-hmm. There's lots of kind of references and callbacks and actors that they bring back for like cameos and stuff. So yeah, that's quite cool. I like that. Funny enough, the guy that's playing the Doctor right now, Peter Capaldi, uh, he appeared in an episode from earlier in this season that took place. Uh, like it was called the Fires of Pompeii, and he was in that episode. And when 
the doctor regenerates into the current one, Peter Capaldi, he's looking in the mirror and he even says, you know, why do I recognize this face or why did I choose this face? And they've made it a point to explain over his three seasons that there's a reason why he even regenerated into himself because tons of the actors on Doctor Who have played other characters on Doctor Who. It's just it's something right. that happens all the time. Right. And can we just, um, while we're just going through these actors, is, can we just stop down and talk a little bit about um, our Doctor here? Because um, obviously he's um, a pretty famous actor in his own right now mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I mean, David Tennant, when he came on, I don't think he'd done anything. Um, the, the guy who played the first season of the revived Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston, like he's quite famous, but he only signed on for one season. So then they brought David Tennant in, and I think he'd appeared in like Harry Potter at this point. But yeah. that was it, and then Doctor Who just became huge, and since then, you know, yeah, tons of stuff. Uh, like Jessica Jones, I don't know if you're familiar with Jessica Jones recently? Yeah, well, that's that's where I particularly know him from. Like, obviously, I've seen him in things like Harry Potter, um, I've seen him in... Oh, he's obviously, you know, Broadchurch as him as well. Oh, yeah. But, um... But you know, like the one, the one that really sticks out to me is, um, yeah, is Jessica Jones, where he kind of plays the Purple Man, and he's he's phenomenal on that. Like he oh. just he absolutely makes the show, um, and you know that's where he's playing a villain, and you kind of see a little bit of that in him. Like he's got a real kind of cocky style in this, which I really like. I think it kind of like because I think something like this, you know, if you're playing this kind of Doctor Who character, it could come across as I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about the the, the show, but I I feel like you could get a little bit too serious with this character, yeah. and he like he does kind of he kind of plays it off as being kind of like smarmy and and slightly arrogant, but you know, in that kind of lovable way. Yeah, like I think when he came on, the thing that was surprising to me was that he was playing it very friendly and very charming, um, and they would introduce things along the way to make him a little bit darker and like this episode especially i've always kind of had this thing like i love david tennant when they brought him on the show uh but i'm going to disappoint every you know listener who thinks david tennant's like the god of doctor who and every woman between the age of 20 and 55 right now but there's something that really rubbed me the wrong way about him not here but afterwards uh like he this was his final season but he had, I think, a year, year and a half wait where he was going to be doing you know, some play. And instead of doing another season after this, they did a series of specials, like extended episodes. And it was during that I just felt like, oh, just enough David Tennant already. He's just mopey all the time. But here, like, he gets to play so many things just in this episode. Like, he's funny at one second, and then he's creepy, uh, especially at the end. Like, the way that he plays it when he gets taken over, you know, people, again, we hope you've seen the episode at this point, but... Uh, what's your impression of David Tennant just off this episode? Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's just he's he's kind of right for for a show like this. I think is that he just comes across as kind of like wide-eyed and enthusiastic, but at the same time, kind of like cheeky and smarmy and and all this kind of stuff, which is mm-hmm. which is yeah, I think is kind of perfect for this kind of character. I think. Uh, did you have any other favorite characters of uh, the the millionaire Gilligan, the skipper, and all the others? Well, I mean, I, I I do quite like that they kind of have a few layers on um, Sky. You know, that it kind of, you know, she starts off being quite offhanded, and then she kind of opens up a little bit, and and I think that that's quite cool. The others, I mean, yeah, I did quite like the um, the assistant as well. You know, the um, the professor's assistant that she is quite cool as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were probably my favourites. Yeah, and I'm going to have a complaint when we get to the end of this about uh, the characters because I think those are the two ones as well as the professor, the ones that I really liked. Uh, the 
Sky, who she starts out as the paranoid one. Like basically, the premise of this episode, if you've forgotten already or you didn't understand it watching the first time, uh, their transport breaks down. Something's banging on the walls outside, which this is where it's kind of like a Twilight Zone episode where it's just like something out of your nightmare that you would have had as a kid. You know, there's something banging on the walls. There's like a monster out there, and they don't really know what it is. Uh, after a while, you know, everybody starts going crazy, and Sky has this voice where she starts repeating what other people are saying. And that's the creepiest thing about this episode is that you don't see a monster at any point. You never even go outside of this transport ship of this, this cockpit or anything other than them opening the door and you seeing something outside. And she just starts repeating things over and over again. It, it, it sounds so simple, but it gets really sinister when she starts catching up. And the whole idea is that at some point she's, not just repeating you, but she's speaking simultaneously with you. And then, then what happens when she starts saying things and you start following her? And I guess that's basically what happens. Um, yeah, definitely like a, a great character and a good villain without really being that complicated of a thing to do, just being able to repeat. And a lot of facial expressions for both her and David Tennant as they spend the majority of this episode just repeating what the other one's saying. Yeah, I think so. I think you've got to um, really establish that those two kind of have a little bit of a spark between them because if mm-hmm. they don't, then you kind of don't really believe anything that's going on in this episode. But, yeah, I mean, you really do kind of think that, that these two, you know, they kind of play off each other quite nicely, which is important, I think. I just pulled up the, the actress, Leslie Sharp, who plays Sky. I didn't realize she was in the full Monty. She got nominated for a BAFTA for supporting actress in the full Monty. I don't even remember her from that. Well, I can't remember last time I watched the full Monty. It's not something I pull up, um, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a regular basis to watch. I've got to be honest, but um, yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, she she kind of has that familiarish kind of look about her, mm-hmm. I, but you know, I wouldn't, I couldn't have said that I knew her from anything. And the thing where I compared it to that uh, Twilight Zone episode, if people want to see the the episode, the monsters are due on Maple Street. It's just this episode where um, I guess the power goes out on a street and everybody's outside, and they're all saying, you know. Uh, what's going on here and and uh, somebody's saying oh yeah I think it's like aliens are taking over because they saw something fly overhead and the entire episode is just about paranoia and how one person starts blaming everybody else and you know they all just go crazy and destroy each other and that's basically what happens in this episode is it just becomes well we think that she's the problem and then oh no well this all started because of the doctor and you know what are you a doctor of what's your real name and that that becomes something that you know still several t- 10 years later we still haven't found out like what his name is and everything but yeah it's just this episode about paranoia and i love that with this episode because the show is sometimes you know trying to be scary and it becomes goofy and that's one of the things that in the classic doctor who it was famous for so like the cheesy looking monsters and this you don't see the monsters it's a genuinely creepy episode yeah i think so and sometimes that's the case isn't it is that we you don't need to see something to be terrified mm-hmm. by it, and that's a really good thing can i ask a couple of just basic doctor who questions yeah um so is he like i'm trying to compare him to you know maybe like a superhero that he's kind of like you know undercover like you know because they're saying to him oh you're a doctor a doctor of what mm-hmm. um and yeah i just i is, is, is he supposed to be like undercover or well, is that just <laughs> 50 years of the show and that question has never officially been answered they tease it a lot um i i think the thing is on his planet like he had a name at some point and his name has been mentioned he eventually has a wife on the show who you know uh he tells his real name to but the idea of the name the doctor was just that they often i guess these time lords they'll take a name that describes himself like his biggest uh, enemy is called the master you know and some some of these time lords will just take a name to describe themselves and i think 
the way he sets up at one point is he says, you know, he's a doctor because he heals people and he helps people. And when people ask him, what are you a doctor of? Well, a doctor of any everything. The main thing about him being undercover is not so much undercover, just that uh, the idea here is that he, in the new series, that his planet has been destroyed. He's the only survivor and that maybe he's connected to why the rest of his race is wiped out. So he doesn't like to tell the story of what happened. Right, okay. Uh, so that makes a bit of sense. So to me, the other thing is he's got this device that he uses a few times in this episode, and it's like a bit of a men in black kind of like yeah. pulls out of his pocket. And So that's obviously a bit of a, a, a theme, like he keeps using that. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the deal behind that? Uh, that's the sonic screwdriver. So they introduced that, like I think back in the 70s in the show, and uh, they had sort of reintroduced it here for David Tennant. It's just, I guess it's a device, it's supposed to work sonically, so like sound can do everything. <laughs> so he, he can run this thing over, it's like, oh yeah, the engine's working fine, run it over something else, it's like, oh, okay, I'll just lock this door here. Who knows how sound waves do all of that, but it's cool because I have one of those, like my wife got for me years ago, uh, a 10th Doctor sonic screwdriver, so I still have it every once in a while. She regretted it afterwards because it makes the same sound effects, and I'll pull it out and just start using it on stuff just to annoy her. But uh, I guess it's one of these things with Doctor Who, they'll, they'll just say, we've been all around for 50 years. We've never had to explain how the TARDIS works. We've never had to explain what a sonic screwdriver does. We don't have to explain why he's called the Doctor. It's just one of those things on the show. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, as a long-term fan, you kind of, you, you don't need all the answers to everything, yeah. do you? I mean, that's, and you can say the same for any kind of long-running show or movie series, that there's always going to be things that kind of don't make sense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's kind of like if you compare it to James Bond, it's like, we all know that James Bond's not going to die, but we still watch him get, get into these death-defying incidents anyway because it's fun to watch, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's those kind of things that you just accept as a long-term fan. But me being somebody who's dumb and never seen it before, I just kind of <laughs> ask these questions, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I guess probably the other thing for me that I was kind of... Uh, I guess kind of charmed by a little bit was that, you know, my impression of the show was that it was kind of big budget, special effects. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like it's almost the entire thing is set in like on one set, you know, yeah. like on this at quite low budget as well. Like it just, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, like, and, and whether that's um, purposely done or whether things are actually look a little bit cheaper, I don't know, but it actually, it was kind of charming because it's kind of, you know, you don't need a big, a big set that's really impressive for something like this. It, it, it's all set in one room and it just kind of works really well. Yeah. And that's one of the things like the guy who was running the show, who brought Doctor Who back at this point, Russell Davies, uh, he wrote this episode as well. Like he'd usually write a couple episodes per season. Uh, it's kind of bizarre that he got into Doctor Who in the first place because before this he was known for doing the TV show Queer as Folk, which I know Ben has watched before and mentioned at least once, which is a surprise. But uh, like when he got into Doctor Who, I, during his run, the, the first five seasons or four seasons or whatever, I found that sometimes he would go too big with the special effects and it would almost wreck it. And that the best episodes of the show were the ones that were simple like this. Uh, and yeah. funny enough, the, the the two episodes that preceded this, uh, it was a two-parter, which is probably the only story from the season that I actually liked more than this one, uh, pro had like huge effects. You know, it had you know people in spacesuits and uh, shadow monsters that were hunting people. And I think the one that followed this was another low-budget one. So it's uh, a lot of shows do this. I remember. I don't know if you're a fan of Star Trek at all. No. I, I remember hearing years ago that Star Trek would have you know a couple of episodes a year that because they would spend their budget on other episodes, they would have to have one that just reused sets that they had had in prior episodes and everything. So it must just be a budget thing. But I like it better, especially because 
I'm I'm a big fan. I got into Doctor Who because of this new series, but after getting into this, I watched the old 60s, 70s, 80s stuff they did, and I liked the low-budget stuff with that. So when they do an episode like this, it's almost like a throwback to me, like classic sci-fi, like The Twilight Zone even. Some, sometimes it can be really effective, and I think probably an example that I'd use from one of my favorite shows, if not my ultimate favorite show, is Breaking Bad. And there's an episode there um, called The Fly, which is basically um, you know, the two main characters from the show in one room, um, and it's almost like a throwaway episode that really doesn't have a whole lot of it doesn't you know it doesn't move the story along anything and it's a bit of a a bit of a controversial episode like people either love it or hate it mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's just one of those ones that people really remember and it is really low budget and I think I could be wrong about this but I think the story behind that is that they actually just ran out of money that season <laughs> and uh, and so they basically just needed one more episode and so they basically just film this whole thing in the meth lab that they're in um and yeah so i think it can be effective in the right situation yeah i mean even the marvel movies nowadays are starting to discover that when uh i think the biggest complaint after the avengers is like okay are you just going to be destroying every major city in the world every movie or can we just get like you know a decent action scene that takes some creativity every once in a while and this one is funny because i kept thinking okay well let me write down after i watch the episode let me write down the notes of what happened in the episode i'm like well they're on a transport then the doctor and Sky start repeating each other. Then, yeah, or he starts, she starts repeating him. Then he starts repeating her. And then everybody says, oh, let's kill the doctor. And then the episode ends with, you know, uh, them figure out what's happening or Dee Dee figure out what's happening. That's all there is to the episode. It's not just this low budget in, you know, the set that you have. But it, it's it's really just one long drawn out scene. And I think I said at the beginning, it happens in real time. And I, I kind of like the idea of real-time shows like 24 and all that. But even 24, you get real-time and then you're following eight characters back-to-back. Like, I, I think it's something that needs to happen more in TV where you'll have just one scene that can play out for 15 minutes straight. Yeah, totally. And I think, like, if we're going to get into the real meat of this episode, it's, you know, the whole scene is, like, after the, the, the transport gets attacked and, you know, we get this, this you know, character, this Sky character is kind of... Mm-hmm you know like hunched in a corner and the doctor kind of goes over and it's, it's when the lights are off and you know and the kind of the effect they've got of kind of like having the the flashlights on her oh, face yeah. and 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 that just it's kind of like the leprechaun or something you know like mm-hmm. it's just like this kind of terrifying but really really simple you know there's nothing much to it it's just yeah it just kind of works really really well and lead up to david Tennant. i, I love the first speech when he first starts to catch on or everybody's kind of realizing wait you know sky's just repeating everything we're saying now and that's the creepiest thing about this episode is that all it is is repeating. Can you imagine, like, everybody was a kid at some point and had, like, their, their brother or their sister just repeat every word that they said. And, you know, like, stop talking like me. Stop talking like me. Come on. Stop. I'm going to tell mom. I'm going to tell mom and everything. But, like, yeah. this gets really creepy with them doing that. But leave it to the doctor to, you know, have a little bit of fun with it. He even says, uh, you know, I'm. this is something that's new to me and I'm interested in it. But... Like there's something wrong here, and he even plays with her at one point. Where he's like roast beef bananas. Uh, he starts yeah. giving that shamble bobble dibble dobble. Oh, doctor, you're so handsome! Like he can't resist but to have her say, "Doctor, you're so handsome." Mm, yeah, yeah, no, and it's really good, and I kind of like the way like she, because I mean, uh, as somebody that has kind of no knowledge of how the series works, it's like I'm suddenly thinking, is she like supposed to be like a robot or something? Mm-hmm. And kind of what made me think of that is her movements. Like she becomes this real kind of jerky. Like, you know, as soon as anybody talks, her head kind of snaps around yeah. and, you know, looks at the person that's talking and starts repeating them. And I thought, is, it, is she, like, supposed to be some kind of cyborg or something like that? Do we even find out? Like, again, I've seen this episode probably five or six times over the last, you know, nine years, I guess, since it aired. Uh, 
Do they reveal it? Did I miss something? Or is this just a mystery? Another mystery of Doctor Who? Well, I mean, uh, that was going to be my question to you. Is that ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, what happens at the end of this? Because like, the next thing is that obviously, you know, it gets passed on to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I thought he was acting. Like, he was pretending that yeah. this was happening. because, like, And he only starts repeating her. And like, the rules around it are not particularly clear. Because, you know, when it's, when it's affecting her, she just repeats everybody. Mm-hmm. But when he's affected, it's only, it's, he's only repeating her. Um, so it, it's not entirely clear exactly what's going on there. And then I'm, I am a little confused at the end as exactly what happens. Like, obviously, like, she's still affected by it, but you've got, um, you know, the, the professor's assistant kind of saying, I don't believe this is going But I don't think we ever get the really strong resolution yeah. as to exactly what was happening there. Yeah, uh, I'll have to see if I could find a theory on here before this is over. But that's kind of the charm of this is that, you know, you don't have to have all the answers like we've been talking about with all the other things. Uh, this is just an episode. It's creepy. It's bizarre. Uh, it's it's very effective and you don't need the answers. And it's funny because you mentioned like the assistant, Dee Dee. She's the only one who has any intelligence in this entire episode. Like the rest of the people are all these, you know, paranoid, uh, violent monsters. And even at the beginning, I loved how the professor was introducing himself to the doctor. And then Didi's like, I'm Didi. It's like, don't bother the man. <laughs> and every time Didi tries to talk, it's like, it's like, this isn't your place. <laughs> She's the only one who actually knows what's going on here and how she knows what's going on. I have no clue. But it's like the, the least impressive person there knows it the entire time. And that's one of the other, you know, uh, interesting characters we have, which kind of leads to like how this ends when the doctor is paralyzed. And that's where I think you give a lot of credit to David Tennant is that he's just repeating words, but like without even being able to move a muscle, he's able to emote. And that was just, it was fantastic watching, especially as somebody who, you know, the year that followed this David Tennant's last year, I was very like, oh, come on, just regenerate already. Like this is where he was really in his prime. Uh, but the fact that we have these good characters like Sky and Didi and everybody eventually catches on no sky is still in control of the doctor she's doing this to him she's the one that we need to get rid of of all people the flight attendant is the one to save the day and how yeah. the flight attendant we're not even introduced to really like i don't she may be the one character who doesn't even have a name and she's the one who gets this heroic moment where she grabs sky and you know throws her out of the airlock and sacrifices herself it is just that one moment, just uh, there would have been so many better ways to do that. Like have Didi or the professor or uh, Merlin do it or something. Yeah, it, it does seem quite strange. Like she she plays plays really no part in this whole thing. Mm. And then suddenly she's the one that makes the sacrifice at the end. It is quite strange. That, that kind of ruined it for. I think that this would have been better. Maybe if you'd given her some character development. Even the doctor says and. I don't know if Russell Davies was trying to go for something on this episode where he says, you know, it's like, oh, I don't even know who she was or whatever. It's like, well, neither does the audience. So we're not going to care that she sacrificed. Just have the flight attendant throw her out. I don't think we needed this moment of her trying to sacrifice herself and be the hero because you don't care after you finish. Like, I, I remember this episode. I don't remember somebody sacrificing. Like, it doesn't stick with me no matter how many times I see it. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a bit of a strange ending, really. Um, but I, I guess probably, yeah. The thing I don't get is at, at what point is is Sky always affected by this, or is this something that happened as a result of the crash? You know, like to me, the kind of bit in between there is a little bit missing. I guess. So overall, if you were to, I guess we could just get to the rankings. Like the way that this episode ends, if people haven't seen it, yes, uh, go watch it now. 
Um, yeah, everybody save because Sky's killed. Going through our rankings here, buy it, rent it, bin it. You've never seen Doctor Who. You're coming into this as somebody who maybe like some of our listeners doesn't watch the show, had no knowledge going in. Is this a buy it? Is it a rent it or a bin it? Yeah, rent. It's, it's for me. It's definitely worth watching. I mean, I I, I don't think it's something that I'm going to go. Wow, I, I really want to go and watch. You know, fifty years of Doctor Who after watching this. <laughs> but it's also it was a fun watch. Like it was, you know, it, it had me engaged for forty minutes. Uh, you know, it wasn't something that I was like checking my phone every five minutes. So mm-hmm. you know, I think kind of pretty tightly written, um, well acted. So yeah, definitely definitely worth checking out. And there you go, Zachary Chong. So you suggested an episode that for somebody who had never seen Doctor Who is at least willing to give it a rent. Uh, As somebody who's seen the show many times, I think I already spoiled this by mentioning it. It was one of my favorite episodes of this season. Uh, I loved it. I'm definitely going to give this a buy it. I remember when the season finished airing, I was kind of disappointed with the season overall. But there were three episodes, or I guess four, because I said the one that preceded this was a two-parter. Four episodes that really stood out for me, and this was one of them. Originally, I would have said that I liked the other ones better, uh, but I think this one's right up there for me as one of the best of the season. A little bit of an issue now when I see the end. I'm like, oh, they could have done that a lot better, but it's it's an original episode, and I think Russell Davies, who was kind of ending his uh, time on Doctor Who here, was uh, doing something different and something creative, so that was fun. I guess second opinion, as somebody, this is only one you can answer, as somebody that had never seen Doctor Who before, if if person were to jump in and watch this show right from this episode, having no knowledge, uh, is it worth it, or does it give you an interest in Doctor Who, or is this like, okay, you're way too lost, you got to give us a better place to start, Zachary Chong? It's definitely not, I definitely wasn't lost, that's for sure. Um, I think for me it was, I think it's probably going to be quite dependent on, and I I keep making the James Bond comparisons, but it's probably going to be quite dependent on who's acting in that main role, I think. Um, And I think it depends on what kind of sci-fi you like as well. I think if you're into big, expansive kind of sci-fi, then this might be a little bit too small scale for you. Um, But, you know, I thought it was quite fun. I really like David Tennant, so I would probably watch it. his, uh, I know the guy that comes after him is Matt Smith, right? Is that, yeah. is that, and I'm not a huge fan of him, so I'm not sure that oh. I'd want to watch stuff like that. Um, I know that's probably absolute, um, you know, that if I ever wanted to be a Doctor Who fan, I've probably been struck <laughs> off the list now. But for, for me, it, he's that's not something that I'd probably get into. But so it would probably be a little bit dependent on who's in that main role, I think. My wife asked me, who are you recording with? I said, Nick. She goes, I don't think I've heard Nick before. Um, I think you just lost her after this episode. (laughs) Matt Smith was her favorite. Um, I'm just curious as to what you've seen Matt Smith in so far. Oh, I, I haven't really seen him in all that much, but he just kind of annoys me a little bit when I do see him. So oh, okay. I, don't know, I don't know what it is about him, and I don't like the um, I don't like the kind of bow tie and stuff. Like it all just seems a bit too like trying a bit too hard for me. I think. Yeah, well, he was the youngest one that they ever cast. You like David Tennant? I remember when David Tennant came on, and he was probably like. I don't know, like mid-30s, late 30s when they hired him. I remember thinking at the time, like, he's pretty young for a doctor. And Matt Smith was, I think, 27 when they cast him. So it took uh, some selling for even him to get over with an audience. So I was just wondering if you were watching The Crown or something like that, if that's going to be our next random watch. Well, that's true because I actually have watched The Crown, and I did. I oh, actually yeah. do quite. I do quite like The Crown. I've got to say, um, mm-hmm. he's probably he's not my favorite in it, but yeah, he's um, he, you know he's all right in that. So that's our Doctor Who recap of Midnight, random episodes. So we're going to be doing a few more of these. Uh, We'll kind of tease what the next one may or may not be. We're hoping this will be it. Uh, If you have a suggestion for us, this is basically how you can get involved with us throughout the summer. 
you can use this as an opportunity like Zachary did, which I'm hoping you're a Doctor Who fan, Zachary, to get us to review a show that you like, that maybe you want to just hear an episode on, potentially get us interested in covering a show in the future. That's another thing that could happen. Maybe if we do this and you just keep suggesting Doctor Who episodes, we'll cover so many of them that we're like, let's just start from the beginning. Uh, or you can use it as a way to mess with us, which I'm not sure if that was <laughs> next week's suggestion, if that was the intention, but we will be covering next week on this show uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> so Ben and I came up with all these ideas of what could be done on this show. And the suggestion was given to us was RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6, Episode 5. If you want to watch it with us, find the episode. The only thing we ask is if you're going to give a suggestion, just make sure it's something that's easy for us to find. Uh, we'll probably avoid you know shows like Lost uh, or 24 where they really demand like a full rewatch. Uh, Survivor episodes have been mentioned so far. We cover Survivor every single week. We'll do something new with this. We have a lot of fun ones to come. Just giving us a tease uh, ahead of everything else. Nick, are you familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race? Uh, no, totally unfamiliar. I don't, I don't even know what the concept is. I don't, I don't even know what... I don't either. Like, I, I assume, because I remember growing up, like, RuPaul had a talk show or something like that. Like, I was too young to even get it at the time. Um, I assume this was just a RuPaul show, but I guess it's some type of, like, reality competition. So, yeah, involving drag queens. Yeah, thanks to our old friend Anthony Rossi for suggesting it this week. He wants to join us on the episode next week. So you're going to have two RuPaul virgins <laughs> on the show um, covering that next week. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of excited because I think it's fun to, you know, do the idea of doing something that we've never seen before. And we said we started the Oz Network. Uh, if we get to you know, a certain amount of likes or s subscribers or whatever, we'll do the worst movie imaginable, like Twilight or Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey or something like that. Um, Nick's planning his vacation for the week that happens. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We can we can deal with RuPaul's Drag Race for now. So hopefully we'll have that episode up in a week. And make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, continue to send us your suggestions if you want. Just throw another one at the end of this post and until next time i guess we'll see you on the tardis <laughs> next time we'll see you on the tardis thank you for listening to the oz network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at the oznetwork.net